Good morning. Good morning, everyone. We was doing worship. I was dying of thirst. I don't know. It's like, and I looked at that bottle. So that looked like her bottle. So I'm taking that bottle. All righty, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, um, that we get a chance to worship you, Lord. Um, you love us, Lord. You, you, you care about us, Lord. You, you know all about us, yet you still not ashamed to call us brethren. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we hear from you, Lord, this morning, Lord, that your word would speak to our hearts, Lord, um, encourage us, Lord, reprove us, Lord, challenge us, Lord, correct us. But, Lord, most of all, Lord, change us to be conformed more like Jesus Christ, Lord. And so, Father, we know, Lord, that you love us, Lord. Pray for the world we live in, Lord. Pray, Lord, for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for our nation, Lord. Lord, we know in this nation, Lord, there's not a program in the world that could fix this nation. We need revival. Lord, we need a pouring out of your spirit upon this nation. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, use us. Lord, as your hand and your feet, Lord, and your voice in the days we live in, Lord, send us out, Lord. Lord, give us, Lord, wisdom. So, Father, we pray as David prayed, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, I do pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible this morning, turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7. I'll read the first 23 verses. Seems like a lot of reading, but it's not, because most of it is Jesus talking from verse 6 all the way down to about verse 16, and then he begins to speak again from verse 18 until the end. It says, Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault, for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the, to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And he answered and said to them, Well, did not Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? <laughs> As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do. He said to, the, he said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is Corbin, that is, a gift to God. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. 
When he had called all the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear me, everyone, and understand, there's nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those things are the things that, that defile a man. If anyone hear, has ears, let him hear. When he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from the outside cannot defile him because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. From, um, for, from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetedness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, and an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile a man. Jesus is having this encounter now because look, he just, look, a few weeks ago, we just seen him. He walked on water, fed the 5,000. And you've seen all these things he did, you know, like, because in the height, in the zenith of ministry sometime, you know, right when everything seems like it's going good, that's when the devil comes. And he comes sometime clothed in religious people, people with the right religious garb on, the right religious jargon, the right religious verses they, they could quote and so forth. But, but it has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. It's just the things that people can come with. And the Pharisees... They were essentially like the blind leading the blind. You know, Matthew says that in his account in Matthew 15 when he tells this story from his viewpoint. You know, they were like, you know, the blind leading the blind. They, they thought they had it all down packed. They, they believed that the law of Moses, you know, was when Moses heard the law from God from a mountain that not only did they have the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments and the first five books of the Bible, they also believed that he had other oracle laws handed down that he didn't write down. And they said that that was just as much weight as the written word of God. So they believed that, you know, some of their traditions that was handed down was so much, as had so much weight that they, they had as much power as the word of God. There are churches like that too, you know. And now Jesus comes, his enemies come to him. You know, they say, oh, you know, God handed down stuff to Moses. He whispered to Joshua. Then Joshua handed it down to Aaron and his sons, Eleazar, and, you know, and so forth. And it was, and they didn't, you know, they didn't have um, enough sense. Because you can be educated and not have enough sense. Because the Pharisees, they would know the first five books of the Bible by heart, but they did not understand spiritual things. You say, well, how in the world can you know the Bible that well and not understand spiritual things? Jesus said, look, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. No, they testify of me. The volume of the book is about me. And if you don't believe that I'm the one that God sent, you will die in your sins. You will die in your sins. And they had all these different ridiculous things you had to do, you know. 
And if you didn't wash your hands after your meal, you, it was punishable by death. You know, it has been, you know, codified in the Mishnah in the last 30 chapters about pots and pans and cleansing and washing of hands. And 30 something chapters on the, just how, pots and pans. You know, you imagine reading about if a mouse gets in the pot, you do this. If this happened, you do this. If you, this pot, if it fell on this side, you got to wash it like this. And if you wash your arms and the water go past your elbow, you got to start all the way back over. You couldn't do this. You couldn't spit on the Sabbath day. You couldn't do this. So Jesus confronts their doctrine, which was formulated by the tradition of men. Not the written word of God, the tradition of men. Some of us grew up in denominationalism in churches where they did stuff. We don't know why they did it. You used to always wonder why when people, when, you know, when we had to leave church, we grew up, I grew up as, as a kid in the Methodist church, and you had to walk like this out, put your hand up when you walk out, that, you know, you know, you better have your head down, you know, you couldn't pray with your eyes open, and you know, I'm like, nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to close your eyes when you pray, but we do that because we just so used to say, you must close your eyes, okay, you shouldn't stand when you pray, you should sit this way, or, you know, we're all this church, this Sunday, we've got to wear red robes, and look, we've been wearing red robes because that's the color of the blood or something and it has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Amen. And some people stay in those churches years after years. Well, that was my grandmother's church and I went there because my grandmother, Nana, was there for years. And, and Pop-Pop, he was the founder. You know, and people get stuck in traditions and they end up getting you know, irritated when it comes to coming to the house of God because you almost get so... Because some people say, well, I don't want to come to church. And I totally understand that. Because the church should be the people, not where we come. God don't dwell in buildings made with man's hands. He dwell in us, made with his own hands. We are the temple of God. And with two or three gathering in his name, he's in the midst. So they would think all kinds of things about their tradition. Their mindset was their tradition would be, this is what the Pharisee would believe. Their traditions and what they believed in would be like a hedge and almost a fence to protect the purity of God's word. That's what they believed. They believed they were the gatekeepers to the word of God. And they, look, everything they did wasn't wrong. I don't think so. But the way they believed it, so they started adding things to the Bible. You know, the Pharisees added to the Bible. The Sadducees took away from the Bible. And that was the religious council of the nation. And they would have understood Deuteronomy if they would have understood Deuteronomy chapter 12 when it says, Whatever I command you, be careful to observe you shall not add to it nor take away from it. They should have knew Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 32. We know it from the revelation at the end of the book of the revelation of Christ. We says, whoever add to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are in this book. And anyone who takes away from the word in this prophecy, God will take his, you know, take him away his part from the book of life and from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. We know that because we have the revelation of Christ. They didn't have the revelation of Christ, the last book of the Bible, but they had the first five books of the Bible, and they should have known Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 32. And this sets the tone for this encounter, this antagonistic religious encounter, because the heart, you know, the heart of their problem was the problem of their hearts. They were corrupt and filled with filth, covered with religious attire. 
Religious attire. A, a, a clean cup on the outside was more important to them than having a clean heart. Isn't that something? And here Jesus says, Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. Now when they saw some of the, his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. This is not talking about hygiene here. Unwashed hands, there's traditions. They washed a certain way before they ate. The Mishnah says that the amount of water that was used was almost like about the size of an egg, you know, a little bit of water. They would wash. And it's interesting that, you know, who would watch somebody eat anyway? You know what you always tell your kids. They come outside from playing. Did you wash your hands? That's not ceremonial, that, you know, or a tradition. That's just, I don't want your nasty germs, you know. But here they're not talking about that. You know, they, as Matthew says, they said, the religious, the Pharisees said, you know, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? They called it a sin. It was a sin to not wash a certain way. It's for, he says, for they found fault for the Pharisees, verse 3, and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, not their hearts, their hands, in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. Notice it says, notice what it says in your Bible, holding what? The traditions of the elders, not the word of the living God. The traditions of the elders. And we can sometimes create traditions, even in the church, that are not necessarily wrong, but they are not commands from the word of God. They have communion every week. You've got to have communion every single Sunday. You don't have to have communion every single Sunday. It says, do this as often as you remember me. You can have it every day. <laughs> you can have it once a month. You can have, you know, you know, or, you know, like some of you say, oh, you have to do this, you have to do that. You know, I was thinking about the thief on the cross. He didn't sing a song on the worship team. He didn't probably know not one Jewish hymn or any of that stuff. And, you, and, and he's hanging on that cross with Christ. And he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. So, so many religious things have creeped in. And here are these Pharisees, they had the same mindset. And even worse, it says, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things that they have received, notice received is handed down, and hold like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. You know, you couldn't sit on a certain couch unless you washed it. It's all many, so many different things they did. Then the Pharisees, notice this, and scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk? You know, the halakha, you know, the, that the word means to walk is also the word sages use to refer to the Jewish law, walking righteously in it. Why do they not walk? You know, the Torah often refers to the fulfillment of God's commandments as walking with his statures. You know, so here says they do not walk according, notice, to the tradition of the elders but eat bread with unwashed hands. The Pharisees and the scribes are trying to tell Jesus. They're taking a shot at Jesus. They said, look, our tradition said they didn't wash their hands the right way. This defilement, you know, and you're their teacher, their rabbi, their leader. 
So it's a reflection on what you're teaching them. That's what they say in here. They, you, 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 don't, you don't follow the tradition of men. And, and, you, and here, they, you, you got these guys, they eating. And when they eat, they don't wash a certain way. And you're supposed to be their leader. What kind of leader are you to let them eat like that? Isn't that something? What kind of leader are you to let people come in this church and they don't even have one? They got on sneakers and jeans and nobody got on a tie. I mean, one guy, but, you know, or a suit or, you know, a tuxedo or whatever. Well, why? We didn't know, you know, what kind of leader could you be if you let these people come to church and they got a hoodie on? Who the kind of church is that? Church? You know, years ago, you couldn't come to church. You dressed a certain way. That skirt is too, no, no, you can't come here like that. I remember being at the Y, this girl had a mini skirt. I don't even know it was a mini skirt. It was a nobody skirt because you couldn't nothing. And the girls at the door said, should we let her in here? I said, absolutely. You see what she have on? Absolutely. God sees what she has on too. And he loves her. She might have used to never wear nothing. She just got on a little bit of something. Praise the Lord. Religious people always looking at things the wrong way, in a way to criticize, in a way to mock, in a way to always think that, oh no, we're the only ones in, you know, we're the only ones going to make it in, huh? you know, not that, oh, look how they came in, no, 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 that's Jesus is trying to break down that way of thinking with these religious men saying, oh, they don't wash this way, they don't do this, they don't hold to the traditions that we created, and Jesus said, no, no, no. And he answered and said to them, and he didn't play with them neither. He loved them, but he didn't play with them. He says, well, I, well did Isaiah, this is Isaiah the prophet, prophesy of you hypocrites. <laughs> Imagine calling somebody a hypocrite through their face. Hypocrite is a word that comes from the theater. It's a theater word, hypocritos. In the theaters, in the Greek theater, they would have these huge masks where they would hold them up. You probably see them years ago, like when you look at Old Macbeth and all those kind of plays. They would have these big masks and they would have a person behind the mask. They would augment their voice. You never knew who they really was until the play was over and they threw the mask down and they bowed. That's when you knew who they were. Here he calls these men hypocrites. He says, you hypocrites, as it is written, and he's going to quote Isaiah 29, verse 13, he says, This people honors me, with, honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Say the right things, even God on the right things. But the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And in vain they worship me. They do worship. They have their worship songs. and Teaching as doctrines the, the commandments of men. So whenever man-made doctrine is adhered to, this would only produce religion without a relationship with the living God. You know, some 700 years Isaiah wrote this. 70 years earlier. When Isaiah wrote it, he adds a little bit more to it. Isaiah says, inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. Therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. You know, they had, it seems like they were smart. Some people got more degrees behind their name than the thermometer. 
And you see them and you start saying, wow, look, at, look what they have accomplished. But they can't speak to nobody. They won't shake your hand. They won't come nowhere near you because you're not on their level. And because you're not on my level, you have no part of me. I'm on another level. I have special knowledge. God has given me some insight that no one in the whole world has. Don't you believe that? I got a Greek word for that. It's all baloney. And it says, laying aside the commandment of God in verse 8, which hold, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do. He said, Jesus, to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Now, he's saying, y'all, you saying my guys don't wash their hands when they eat and all those traditions y'all have? I'm going to show you how you don't even keep the word of God and you're supposed to be gatekeepers of the word of God. And that happens across all churches, particularly denominationalism. There are some traditions that, are, that many hold to and they make them greater than the written word of God. Greater than the written word of God. Greater. Now, and not all traditions are wrong. Again, they are not wrong. Not all traditions are wrong. But when they become more important than the word of God, they become something else. It says, for Moses said, now he's going on the scriptures again on them. Jesus answers them using the word of God. You see that? First he used Isaiah 29, 13. Now he's going into the Decalogue. They understood this book well, the Exodus. He says that, for Moses said, and he's going to quote Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, Deuteronomy, because he says, Moses said, Moses heard this, and Moses also said this. So when you read Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, Moses heard this from God. In, Exodus, I mean, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12, he teaches it to the next generation that's going to enter into the promised land. He uses this verse, honor your father and your mother. And Paul, who was a Pharisee, picky banks off that in Ephesians 6 2. He says, honor your mother and your father is the first commandment with a promise attached to it. That your days may be longer among the land. Not that you live longer, but you'll live a more good life, a better life. Honor your father and your mother. And, and then he's going to quote again, Exodus chapter 21, verse 17. He who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. Could you imagine if that was a law today? A little kid in the supermarket, and the mom said, come on, no, he ain't throwing anything. Get him outside. Little people, bunch of people waiting for him. <laughs> it says, but you say, not the word of God, Jesus says, but you say, your traditions... But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corbin. Corbin, that is a gift to God. Corbin was a Hebrew word. It essentially had three meanings. But Corbin was like something like, almost like, um, Jesus uses this as a retort or to repudiate the Pharisees complaining about his disciples washing their hands, you know, in the, according to the traditions, you know, that came from man. You know, in the Talmud, it talks about the Corbin, they, that was something that was like a vow you made. So instead of you taking all your money if your parents died and you died first, your money would go to your parents. No, if you said Corbin, your money would go to the temple. 
And instead of you honoring your mother and your father with your possessions, you gave it to somebody else and let them fend for themselves. Mr. Religious Man, I'll make it to you plain. Somebody come in and say, oh, I'm going to give to the building fund. I'll give the church a million dollars. And then their mother and their father live in a shelter. I said, no, you should take care of your mother and father in the shelter. And then come back and give me the leftovers. <laughs> That's what it would have been like. And these are the religious leaders. Oh, they just say, Corbin, the gift of God. And they would have struggled. And I'm sure the rabbis of that day, they struggled. You know, they didn't have social security back then. So you took care of your parents. You want to honor your father and your mother? You take care of them. They grow old, you should take care of them. You should be the one. I would put my mom in a nursing home if they paid me a billion dollars. You take care of your parents. I want to honor, I want to honor the Lord, I want to honor the Lord. I, want to honor, I can't stand my father, it was no good a rascal. No, 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 this is honor your father and your mother. It didn't say how good they were. It had nothing to do with how good they were. Like you say, well, I wouldn't like them if they were good parents and they did everything perfect. What are good parents? Some people have good parents and they grow up crazy. No, it's good that somebody squeezed you through their womb and gave you life. You honor that. That's what you honor. And in the days of, the, during Jesus' days, they would have struggled with making this vow because once you said Corbin, the rabbi said it was irreversible. Once you said it, it was an oath. And they knew that because in Deuteronomy 23, they knew that if you made an oath, you were required to keep it, to pay it and not delay. They would have known that. Honor your father and your mother. And it is religious guys. They ain't doing none of that. And Jesus, he's tearing them down. Because you can look at them, they say, oh boy, here we go. Because they met God and man. They met the heavenly scholar. They met the one, the word became flesh and tabernacled among them. So they couldn't squeeze their way out of encounters with Christ. He knew everything. In fact, he could read their hearts. The Pharisees, he could read their hearts. Did you know that Jesus read their hearts? Remember in Luke 7 when Simon the Pharisee invited Jesus over his house and a woman came in with an alabaster and oil. She breaks it and starts crying. And, 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 and Simon didn't even speak out loud. Simon said within himself, if this man or man would knew type of woman is worth the touch of him for she's a sinner. And Jesus says, Simon, I know exactly who she is. And here they encountering Christ and he's telling them, he's telling them, look, you guys say Corbin, you know, so you don't have to take care of your parents. You hypocrites. You worrying about me washing my hands, eating my cheeseburger. Well, somebody was saying that the other day. I was like, oh, me and Maria was talking. I said, you know, we was in the room. I said, some of the stuff we eat is really bad. We say, Father, bless this cheesesteak, Lord. Don't let it clog my arteries, Lord. Don't let it raise my LDL. Or, and, and, you know, and you can pray those prayers. You know that, right? <laughs> That's really saying grace. It's intercession. In verse 12, it says, Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God, listen to what Jesus tells them and pay attention to this, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, 
tradition which you have handed down. So it wasn't the word of God that they handed down, it was their tradition. And many such things you do. Moses taught that they should hand down the word of God. That's what they should have been handing down, not traditions. He says, teach those things to your children. You know, when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, teach them the word of the living God, not traditions. They don't have any eternal value. And it says, when he had called all the multitude to himself, you can imagine smoke coming out of these guys' ears. They delegates from Jerusalem. So, you know, when it says, when you read that first part of the verse, when it says, and the scribes and the Pharisees came together to him, having come from Jerusalem, you know that's trouble. Because they come and they say, oh, and you, all these people following Christ, crowds of people getting healed and people's lives being transformed. Then the enemy comes in with all this stuff. Yeah, I don't wash your hands the right way. You ever did that? You did something that you didn't do that right. You didn't sing that the right way. And you didn't work and labored and suffered. And somebody comes out, yeah, I don't like that. You didn't do that the right way. I'm not Esther, but sometimes a little Esther may come over me. Watch it. You know, you know her. And this is when he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear me. Everyone and understand there is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him. Those are the things that defile a man. It's not what goes in a man's mouth, but what's inside a man's heart. And that will eventually come out through his words or through his actions. Because we know it says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs forth the issues of life in Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence. You don't know what a person is until they start talking. It was a quote from Maya Angelou, who used to be a poet. See, if somebody show you who they are, believe them. And what they were was coming out. And Jesus was saying, let me tell you guys something. It's not what you eat that defiles you or how you wash your hands. It's what's in your little heart. He says, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. And when he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from the outside cannot defile him? Not your roast beef sandwich or your spare ribs or your barbecue, you know, pulled chicken or your wraps or whatever you eat. That ain't going to defile you. He says, because... It does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles him. So what's coming out of a person? Counsel of a, of a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out, Proverbs 20. You know, he's, you know, and what's coming out of a person? You know, you see somebody, they always mean, and they always nasty, and they always, and then they say, they praise the Lord, sister and brother, and then they get right outside, somebody put a little scratch on their car, and they cursing like crazy. Or like some of us, we get up in the morning, I say it all the time, have our devotions, tears running down our face. Use me, Lord, for your glory, you know, and you're crying. You get into your car, you put on K-Love. You're listening to Christian or some other radio Christian station and somebody's swerving in front of you, you dumb idiot, I dare you, I'll kill you. 
That's how we know what's inside of us. Let somebody rub you the wrong way, you'll see what you're made of. Because you know when you get real mad, you know what you start saying? Well, I, look, I ain't always been no Christian. That's when you know what's inside of you is ready to come out. I like the Incredible Hawk. You won't like me when I get angry. You know what I'm saying? All of us have that in us. Every last one of us sitting in here have the propensity and have the potential to do something really, really crazy. Every last one of us. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that restrains us. And it's inside of all of us. Because you know why it's inside of all of us? He says, it's not what goes in, it's what comes out that defiles a man. For, he says, for from within, verse 21, out of the heart of men, men is plural, proceed, here's what defiles a man. And now Jesus is going to give us a list of, you know, ammunition, almost in a sense, that, or, or that can show us the inside of a heart of a person. And then when these things come out, he said, oh, that's in all of us. <laughs> that's in all of us. Because the heart is deceitful and above all desperately wicked. You know, the um, NIV says the heart is incurable. People say, the Lord knows my heart. Yeah, he knows the heart. That's why he died on the cross. You can see your own heart. Let somebody get a promotion over you or something. That you want it. Or get something that you want. Or you know somebody like they, and they, they pull up with a brand new car or something. And you look, I got a brand new car. You got that fake happiness. Yeah, that's nice. It's in all of us. And he says that for from within, verse 21, out of the heart of men proceed, notice, which comes forth, evil thoughts, adulteries. That's cheating if you're already married, messing with somebody else if you're married. Fornications is having sex outside of marriage. Murders. Because remember Jesus said, you heard it said of all, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, that's the Aramaic term for empty-headed, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of the hellfire, Gehenna. Murders. I never killed nobody in my whole life, some of you might say. Oh, you killed them in your heart, though. I never literally killed anybody. But I thought about throwing this guy out the window one time. He was in a meeting, and he was rubbing me the wrong way. And he kept talking, and he kept talking. And I'm like, how many stories are we up? That's what I kept saying. Because people can make you angry. Anybody never been angry? All of us have been angry. The Bible says be angry and sin not, though. It says thefts. I ain't never take nothing. You know, those paper clips you took from work, you didn't pay for them. Covetedness. Wickedness. These are some heavy words. Deceit. So I'm not deceitful, sure. Lewdness, all kind of filth. You say, well, there's no lewdness in my life. Oh, look at what you're looking at on that iPhone when you're by yourself. 
an evil eye, blasphemy, pride. We all have some of that. Pride is an awful thing. Foolishness, I know I got some of that still. These are the things that defile a man and they're within every man's heart. But what are they governed by? You know, bringing every thought into subjection of Christ. You know, are they under the Lordship of Jesus Christ? They all live, because we got two natures we still have after we come to Christ. We still have two natures. And Paul, he was an ex-Pharisee. Remember when Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia? You know, he wrote to those churches, plural, and Paul says, look, the works of the flesh are evident. They are, and he gives us a list. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. We get the, the Greek word pharmakia, drug usage, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts, wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries, and the like, of which I tell you before, and just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And somebody constantly evil and mean and they mean and nasty all the time and they never, just always nasty, always saying something. They don't know God. The religious leaders were inside, they were a mess. Outside, they looked fine. And when Jesus chose his disciples, he didn't pick none of them. Until later on, they would choose Paul. After he knocked him off his high horse. Look, what's inside your heart this morning? Because that's what makes you think and act the way you act. I don't trust nobody. I used to have a man and he left me and I don't trust no men the rest of my life. All men ain't no good. That's a lie. I don't trust nobody because when I was a kid, my father never hugged me. I don't hug nobody. That's a lie. When my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will be with me. Know the Bible. Know, look, know the Bible. Look, live your life as a Christian knowing how to apply the Bible to your life. Because if you don't, you'll always have a heart filled with other stuff. It'll be crowded with other stuff or have a sense of entitlement or a sense of, oh, you look, man, they did this to me 30 years ago and I'm I'll never forgive them. I'll never forgive them. And really? And the Lord forgave you? What do you mean never forgive somebody? And we could live like that. And never have healing. Never have the peace that surpasses all knowledge. We could never, we'll never grow in the Lord if we get stuck with the stuff in our hearts and it's just kind of bubbling over. And that's what defiles a man. That's what messes a person up. That pride, that, you know, that evil eye. You know, somebody always looking for something wrong. Covetedness. Never satisfied. Jesus said, you want to know what defiles a man? Everything I'm listening here, I'm sure you Pharisees know all about it because that's who you are. Everything he listed here, that was their hearts. And you said, what do you mean? That was the religious leaders of the nation. That couldn't be their hearts. He said, oh yes, their hearts is just adulteries, fornicators. That you know they were liars and everything else. Remember the woman in John 8 and they, they come running to her and they said she was caught in the very act of adultery? Well, how was she caught? How, what y'all was watching? 
They never bring forth the man. And then one by one, Jesus, uh, he laid down, rode in that sand. He said, let me get out of here. He probably saying in AD 24, didn't you have that woman in the, in the Jerusalem saloon? Didn't you? you know, and they said, let's get out of here. That's why we should know our own hearts. Know your own flesh. Know your own hearts. Know, look, know your own hearts. You know, because he says that these are the things that are inside of all of us. And if they're not bridled by the Holy Spirit, if they're not governed by prayer, if they're not governed by us, not just reading the Word of God, that's not good enough. Knowing what it means. Knowing what it means. Knowing how to apply it to your hearts. And don't blame other people for everything you experience. Like God is always working on you. Look, he's always working on me. He's never working on my wife. I never get on my knees and say, Lord, could you please fix Charlene? Please do it. No, he's trying to fix all of us. And get us out of that religious mindset. Oh, I go to a Calvary chapel, man. They teach the Bible in Calvary's and all. So what? What is your heart like? Where's that real joy at? You can tell when somebody living a spiritual life, you know, it's because they're filled with love, joy, and peace. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit is, is permeated, is manifested in their life. They not one day praise the Lord and they say, oh, I don't know. Then you know that's not spiritual. You have to know that. Because there's something in that tinker here. And he's not talking about the heart that beat, that vial that pumps blood. He's not talking about, he's talking about the central part of a man. The heart is defiled, is deceitful, is above all, desperately wicked. Who could know? The Lord knows it. And he can fix it. He can fix it. He will heal that broken heart and bind up their wounds of our hearts. Don't let your past define how God is trying to use you right now. Don't go by that. I was a kid, I told my wife yesterday, I said, you know, I had some horrific things happen to me as a kid that I never shared with anybody. And I said, but you know what, as I grew old, I said, hold up. That's not who I am in Christ. That's not who I am in Christ. That is, that is not who I am. That does not define me. And you have like flashbacks of stuff. And you're like, but that don't define me today. I am free. And whoever the sun set free, they are free indeed. Amen? Amen? We're free in Christ. And he says, all these evil things come from within and defile a man. It's within, not without. The heart is the problem. Our hearts need a daily do-over every day, a cleansing of our hearts. You know, when you read the Psalms, the one, one of the greatest Psalms in the Bible is Psalm 24. And Psalm 24 is interesting what it says. It says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Look, our lives are not dictated by what we are. It's who we belong to. And because we belong to Christ, we can have clean hearts. We can come with clean hands. You know, to the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Nothing is pure. To the pure, all things are pure. It's in the Bible, Titus, I think, 115. All things are pure. And I think the Lord is saying, you know, let's keep looking at him and looking at him and say, Lord, fix me, Lord. Create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
I want a clean heart. That I can walk with thee. That's what we want to walk away with this morning. Not religion. Lord, here I am, Lord. Fix my heart. Because I know the heart of the matter is always the matter of the heart. And if you fix my heart, I'll be what you need me to be. And that is definitely not religion. That is relationship, intimacy, that is loving God. And the manifestation of loving God is how you love his people. Because no one can say they love God who they've never seen and yet hate his brother who they see every single day. This is the love of God. And God laid down his life for us. Christ became the propitiation for our sins. That's the love of God. Clean heart. You want a clean heart? Amen? Let's give the Lord a big praise this morning if you love Jesus. Because we can do that. Let's stand up. Father, we thank you, Lord. We know in advance. You never want us to be religious people. You never want us to be those people who wonder where they stand with you, Lord. That we would be those, Lord, giving our hearts to you completely. That we would say, Lord, here I am. I got this cooking in my heart. I want to be changed, Lord. Pray for the person that don't know Jesus Christ, that they would realize that today is the acceptable time to give your life to Jesus Christ. And that they would recognize, Lord, that you died on the cross for the sin of the world. That you was crucified, Lord, and that you was buried and on the third day you rose from the dead. That's the gospel. That's the good news. You gave us new hearts. You replaced this heart of stone with a heart of flesh. And placed your spirit in our hearts, Lord. There's no time to play church in the days we live in. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit. The spirit of conviction. The Holy Spirit convict us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, Lord. That you come right today, right now, the second in the person's heart and say, Here I am. I love you. I died for you. I have a plan for you. I care for you. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We honor you in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen.